Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day, this opportunity to gather here and worship you. And as we wrestle with your word, Lord, speak into our hearts and minds the exact words that we need in these moments. And take my words, Lord, and make them yours. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to look at the second lesson. It's an interesting set of lessons, if you were paying attention to it, and a hard set of lessons that fall in the lectionary. It's one of those weeks as a pastor, you look at it and go, what am I going to do with this? And so oftentimes, the lessons, maybe even perhaps the first lesson, can be a little confusing. They can seem a little irrelevant. And the second lesson seems a lot like that. What does this mean? I, poor Chris had to read Paul's wordiness about food. It's, it's even hard to follow with, with our brains. What is he talking about? It seems odd, unimportant, irrelevant. And it's a reminder for me that Paul would do terrible in the American culture today. You know, just that last sentence alone, if it causes anybody to stumble, I won't eat meat. There's nothing that's going to cause me to do that. Right? So he'd be a terrible American citizen, you know, independent and free and individualistic. I mean, he'd be terrible in government. He'd be terrible in almost any role. But, you know, the interesting thing about this passage, when we begin to look at it, in the midst of its complexity, in the midst of it not seeming particularly relevant, Paul has some things here for us that I think we need to know and we need to hear and we need to understand. It begins with we all possess knowledge. A reminder, though, that the knowledge we possess is because of God. That we don't have anything because of God. That our brains don't operate. That we don't have the opportunities to learn through education, reading, relationship, experience, work. We don't have any of that without God. That the knowledge that we possess is not our own But he's also talking about not just knowledge in general, but the knowledge. What he's saying to the people in Corinth, he's speaking to the people, particularly the followers of his, that says, you know me, just like the demon recognized Jesus in the gospel. You know me. You know the truth of the gospel. So he's talking about that knowledge as well. But he also reminds us that there's a lot we don't know. As I think about God and as I think about the scripture and as I think about pursuing Jesus, the truth is the more that I learn, the more I realize I don't know. The more that I pursue God and understand God, the more mysteries that begin to unravel, the more mysteries that seem to be out there. That unlike many things in our culture, you don't become an expert in God. You can't learn everything there is. You can't know everything. And for many of us who like knowledge, for many of us who find comfort in knowledge, it's not necessarily reassuring that God would say to us, you can't know everything. We've all been one of those people in our lives at some point, right, where we might have perhaps thought we knew everything. It's Never happened to me, I promise. Just don't ask Jessica to confirm that. But the truth is, it's easier to hang our hat on what we know, isn't it, than to hang our hat on what we don't know? What we don't know brings insecurity. It brings some fear. It brings some uncertainty. But the danger here is the kind of pride that God struggles with, the kind of pride that Paul speaks so passionately against. 
It was interesting because this was a hard passage to digest, and so I'm going to use a lot of quotes today and try and explain them because I think we need to see some of the words so we can put the first one of those up there. But this is a quote from one of the commentators. If anyone thinks they know something, they don't know yet as they should know. Just when you think you know something, right? You don't really know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by God. If anyone loves, this one truly knows or is known. What Paul is saying in this passage, what the commentator is pointing us to is this truth. Knowledge is all well and good. But knowledge without love is empty. Knowledge alone is not enough. And knowledge, true healthy knowledge, comes first from a love of God. That the knowledge that's wisdom comes from knowing God. That there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom, isn't there? There are a lot of people that know lots of things, but maybe aren't wise. And so often this difference is what we do with it. For Paul, knowledge is essential. He was a very cerebral person, a thinking person, a theological person. But it can't be the basis of our faith. It can't be the basis of the church. In fact, Christianity has in its history some very rough moments, and those rough moments come with come from an arrogance of knowledge come from a holding knowledge above love, holding knowledge at the exclusion of love. How many times have you heard or felt, I don't want to go to church or I don't am interested in being a Christian because they're so judgmental or they're so hypocritical or they're so fill in the adjective that goes with that, right? And this is not just a misperception. Sometimes it is. But this is oftentimes what happens when we hold this knowledge that we have of God and of what is right and what is good in a way that's not loving, in a way that's not caring. But it's tempting. It's tempting. But to have really knowledge is to love God. The knowledge of God is the love of God. That's where wisdom comes. Paul here isn't just talking about food. He's challenging the judgment of non-Christians. You all may know the truth. You may all know God. You may all be going to heaven. You may all know what's right. You may all know what's healthy. But be careful with that. Because if you use that to look down on or point out or judge or criticize or be ungracious to those that don't have it, you don't actually have the knowledge you think you do. Because there's no love in that. And God says, that's not my knowledge. My kind of knowledge, God says, is knowledge that is filled with love. But again, our frail human egos sometimes challenge that. I want to put up another quote. It's kind of a long one. In fact, if I were worried about getting out of here super fast, which maybe I should be, I could have just put this quote up and this could be the, the sermon in a nutshell. But understand this, what the commentator, this commentator says, brilliant. Paul is not content with offering simple rules, a set of do's and don'ts to guide the Corinthians through the difficulty of living as people of the true God in a world full of other gods. Leave that one up for now. So start here, this part. This is the truth of Christianity. 
It's not a to-do list. It's not a checklist. We've got to wrestle through this. So go on to the next part. He wants them to be able to think through the issues for themselves. And that means thinking hard about just who the true God is and what it means to love and serve him. This remains as urgent a task today as it was in the first century. I love this. That really to, to know something, to know God, means that we don't have it always all together, that we haven't figured it out, that it's not all neat and packaged in a bow, that there are messy moments, moments of confusion, moments of doubt, moments of disagreement, moments of conflict. Moments of uncertainty. Moments where maybe something that we believed all along wasn't actually true. But we give this knowledge not to hold it over, not to put ourselves in a better position, but to wrestle with who the true God is. That we as human beings are created in God's image as the thinking being, so that we, not so that we know more than the animals, but so that we can really wrestle with who God is. And if we wrestle with who God is, we understand that it's really about service. It's not about knowing and telling people what you know and convincing of them of what you know about God or anything else for that matter. And I love how the commentator finishes this. He says, this remains as urgent of a task now as it was in the first century. That perhaps... We've lost our way. Perhaps the knowledge of God and what we know has become so comforting that it's allowed us to isolate others or to forget about others. That so often in the church, you build a great community of faith, but the challenge of a great community of faith is that you get so internal. And your first priority becomes each other than instead of the world that God has called you to serve. That as a Christian, my first priority might be my own comfort and my own beliefs instead of putting aside something that I want or I need for someone else's good. So all of a sudden, this passage about food that seems irrelevant is pretty relevant. That knowledge is not just a safety net, not just a checklist for life. That the only thing that brings true knowledge, the only thing that brings joy, that brings happiness, that brings meaningful life, is not knowing a bunch of stuff, but pursuing God. You see, uh, it was funny when we were downstairs for the funeral dinner yesterday, uh, Randy Bergdahl leaned over to me and he said, I think including you, there are seven doctorates in this room. And I said, I hope the ceiling holds up. Because I think knowledge is all well and good, and I'm a lover of knowledge. But I'll tell you right now, the best part of that program for me was not the knowledge I attained, but the, that what happened in that process and what happened in gaining that knowledge caused me to want to pursue God more. Because we can all know things, right? But there's a difference between knowing God, about God, and knowing God. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between being able to say the right things about God than really knowing God. And Paul wants to remind the readers here, there's only one God. All this other stuff doesn't matter. There's only one God, and that the most significant thing, the most powerful thing, the closest that we come to the best thing 
The purest of life is in our relationship with Jesus. That for Paul, that's the most intimate we come with God. That's the closest we come to God is in our relationship with Jesus. But Paul wants us to know here that knowledge is all well and good, but knowledge doesn't build up. Maybe it builds up yourself, but it doesn't build up the church, the community of faith. It doesn't build up the world. It doesn't build up people that don't have the knowledge. Paul right here says it's love that builds up. Love that builds up, not knowledge. In fact, I think it, in the Proverbs it says something like, knowledge puffeth up, but love edifies. What do we do with our knowledge of God? What do we do with this gift that we've been given? What do we do with that? I know it's a question I ask myself all the time. I know it's a question, as I came to the end of my last program, I asked myself, what do I do now? My doctor professor said, you want another one? And I said, not if I want to stay married. Um, no, it's wrestling with what you do with what God has, been, has given you. This knowledge that you have has a purpose, and that purpose isn't about you. It's about the world. This gift of the church that we've been given, it's not about us. It's about the world. This Jesus that died on the cross died for us, but also died for the world died that the whole world might know the love of God. So all this stuff about food is really Paul's simple way of saying, if you get caught up in the little things, you're going to miss it all. You can know all the rules. You can know all the ins and outs. But... If you're not pursuing God, you miss it all. In fact, this passage challenged me because after I'd written the sermon, I looked at it a different way, and I, and I, I even posted it, the, the thought. I said, you know, I think the temptation in our culture is to make decisions individually and even as organizations based on what other people are doing. You see this in snow days in school districts, right? You watch the dominoes fall, and it's like, oh, Everyone in DeKalb County except for one, well, that one's going to have to do it, right? It's snow day peer pressure. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you, that, those conversations, I know for a fact that those conversations actually happen. And when we look at it, when I joke about it, it's kind of silly, right? That, you know, when we make those kind of decisions, we have these factors. But yet this morning, I was still up early watching to see what everyone else was doing. That the text conversation between Dan and I was who was on and who was off. And Paul is saying here, wait a minute, folks. Whether it's a silly snow day or it's something significant in how you operate in your child-rearing or marriage, it's not about what everyone else is doing. It's about what God is calling you to do and be. Sure, we can learn from others and we can steal the good stuff from them and we can learn from others' successes and mistakes, but ultimately... It has to be about what God is calling us to. This passage ultimately is a passage on how we treat others. That our job is not to judge. Our job is not to criticize. 
to guard, to evaluate, but to build up. And the truth is, in reading this passage, the first thought was, why did you pick that one? And my second thought was, looking at the other ones, well, well, you didn't have a lot of good choices. The third thought was, well, it's the scripture, and, and if we can't wrestle with the confusing passages, then we're in trouble. And then as I wrestled through it, I found myself challenged. Because I know I can grow in my own building up of others. I know that's an area where I need to grow, especially in my family. That that, just as honesty, confessing to you, that I know that this focusing on building up is an area for growth for me. That we don't live in a world where building up is our natural instinct. If we look at the culture, if we watch how the culture functions, if we watch the news, it's not a building up kind of atmosphere. And so Paul, talking about the silliness of food and never eating meat again, God bless him, brings us this passage on building up that we all matter, that the last part of that passage, that if you tear another one down, you are doing that to Christ, these people who are created in God's image. That's a harsh word, isn't it? That's a difficult word to hear. Even as Chris read it, I kind of had to look down for a minute because inevitably we always, in any given day or week, whether in our head or out loud, do some sort of tearing down. And so for Paul to point out that we're all created in God's image, even those that don't have the knowledge of God, to point out that to tear them down is to tear down Christ is not exactly the most exciting news of the day. But I'm challenged, and I hope that you're challenged too. Because the truth is that we need to be challenged. Just as we need to be encouraged and built up, we also need to be challenged. And Paul gives us these words to challenge us. But Paul also gives us these words to give us a sense of what community really looks like. Good, healthy, biblical community, whether in a family, in a community, in an organization, in a church, isn't always pretty. But in the end, healthy community, healthy life is pursuing Christ, bringing the love and grace and knowledge of Christ to others, and instead of tearing down, building up. And so today I'm challenged. Today I hope we're all challenged to look at ways and places where we can do better at building up instead of tearing down. I loved Jessica's example. It is so much easier to destroy than it is to build. It's so much more natural. We feel so much better about ourselves when we destroy instead of build. But that's not knowledge of God. That's just knowledge. Let us pray. God, we thank you for these words, though hard and confusing. And God, yet, when it just seems like your scripture is difficult or irrelevant, you show us the way that it is most relevant. God, help us to be built up and encouraged by you and one another. Help us not to take our knowledge for granted, but to use it for good, to use it to love and to build up. Lord, may we continue to become a people of encouragement and building up a people who are willing to pursue you and pursue you first. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, for